Mandy. I'm part of the Sweetwater MC. And if <laughs> we have a lot of school spirit in our MC here. Um, if you're looking for a small group, we'd love to have you. Um, today, we're reading out of Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them, before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. You guys can be seated. I want to dismiss our school-age kids uh, to the back with their teachers as they uh, run back there. Man, to have that energy would be nice. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, my name's Jason, in case you're not one of the pastors here. Uh, it's cold outside, golly, is it not? Man. Uh, today, though, is a really, really good day to be here. Before I jump in, I've got a few announcements I want to make you guys aware of, some really exciting stuff that is coming up. Next Sunday is our anniversary Sunday. We will be 13 years old. All right, yes, yes. We'll be driving soon. We're really excited about that. Um, so next Sunday, uh, we're going to start 13 years. Um, a really special thing we're going to do next Sunday at 930. We have lots of new folks that have been in our faith family the past few months. And we have our class at 930 with our adults. We've been walking through walking with God. Even today, Reynolds taught on how to slow down. Um, I know it was phenomenal, but we're going to take a break next week from the Walking with God series with our adults. And we're going to have basically our discovery class for our new people with us all together. So if you're new, make sure you're here next Sunday at 930. You're going to kind of hear our story as a church, the things that we're passionate about and how you can get plugged in. And if you're, you're not new here, that class would be a great time for you to kind of hear our story again, uh, see pictures uh, of me with more hair and less Wait. It'll be fun for the whole family. And so uh, next Sunday at 930, uh, make sure you're there. And then uh, Sunday the 28th, two weeks from this Sunday, we are not going to meet here. We are going to meet at our new location for our groundbreaking service uh, on the 28th of this month. And so in two weeks, uh, we're going to do that. Uh, details to come on how that's going to work with uh, child care and all that fun stuff. But wouldn't that be on you guys' uh, radar? So yes, there you go. That's the announcements. Uh, we're in Mark 2, and this is a phenomenal 
passage today. I mean, it's one of those, as a preacher, you just get really excited to preach. There's so much there. And what's funny is I prepped earlier this week, I kind of had a whole outline, and by today, the outline was fully changed because I just felt God leading in different ways to what to really kind of emphasize in the text itself. Um, you know, it's easy uh, when you uh, come up here and you preach and um, I put on my best clothes and my best shoes. I know this is my best clothes right here, but it is what it is. And and you come up here and you do this and, and it looks like you got it all together. And um, But I want to give you a peek into my, into my life uh, for just a minute, just for your uh, amusement, really. So it's a new year, right? And uh, I, I want to teach my kids how to walk with God. It's one of my big goals for this year, not just to like read the Bible, like how to actually walk with God. I'm teaching all these things, and if I'm not doing my family, how can it work in, you know, when I teach on it? And so we sat down this week to walk through this new kind of uh, liturgy that we're walking through as a family, and it's, it's these kind of teaches about the Trinity that we're on. The Trinity is, you know, a very mysterious thing, and we're praying these things, and and then Connor says, Dad, the Trinity is kind of like a family. And I was like, that's beautiful, Connor. That's so true. He's like, you know, you have the Father and you have the Son. And, and, and the Holy Spirit's kind of like their dog, right? And I was like, no, Connor, the Holy Spirit's not the dog in the Trinity. And, and that's what I'm bringing today for you guys as a Christian leader is those kind of things. Because I think we get here, and here, here's the real point. We, we get here on Sundays and we, and we smile really good, do we not? And we put on, we might even iron our shirts and we get here and we want to look the best that we can. But I want you to hear this today. This place is not a hospital for the healthy. It's a hospital for the sick and for the sinners, friends. And so if you're here today, I want you to hear this more than anything at all. Forgiveness is here and possible and real through Jesus Christ. That is the good news, right? Because I think... You know what we all, I think, really want more than anything is we want to love people well. Like when I yell at my kids, it's like, ah, oh, I got to be more patient with my kids. Or, or I get in, God forbid, airline traffic. Um, and you're or at a grocery store yesterday or whatever it might be. And just you just are just so hurried and so rushed and sometimes so angry. And we just want to, we want to love well. And if you're like me and probably like most of us in this room, we keep screwing that up, do we not? And I think there's, as I was thinking about this, there's two real obstacles for us in how we love others. Because you read this story about these friends. I want you to hear this, and we're going to go in the text more in a minute, but these friends have this sick friend who can't walk. And they know Jesus can do something about it. And they go and they see a crowd, and normally I just turn around, right? But these friends, they love so deeply that they found a ladder, right? They found a ladder and they somehow are getting their friend up there or they, I have no idea. And they remove the roof of this house. They, they tear a hole open. This is a, don't do this. It's a descriptive thing, not a prescriptive thing. And they tear this hole open and, and drop their friend to meet Jesus. Those friends love deeply, did they not? Many times, if a friend calls me needing something, I'm irritated. And there's just these two things that I think get in the way in how we love. 
The first is this. As I was preparing this, I came back to a book I read months ago. I believe it's called like Seven Questions or something like that. And it's written by a name named Mike Foster. Not our former governor, but by Mike Foster. And he states in this book, he, he's a Christian counselor, that as he counsels people, as he studied scripture, he's kind of talked about these, that every person has this question on their heart or this question on, this, on their soul, this kind of hole, this thing they walk around with, that if they just had this answer in the right way, they would find wholeness. I'm going to read those to you very quickly. The, the first question is this, is am I safe? Maybe they had some stuff happen in their past and what they're longing for is, is safety. A second question, am I secure? Like is, 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 is the rug going to be pulled from underneath me and is, is the foundation of my life really secure? Third, a lot of folks look at this, am I loved? Am I loved? Fourth is, am I wanted? You might love, you have to love me, you're, you're a family, but am I wanted? Do people want me around? You come in a room and it's like everybody looks at other people, but no one's looking at you. Am I wanted? Fifth question, am I successful? For my driven types in here that are always got a task and always want to accomplish and always want to promote this question that just kind of drives them, am I successful? Sixth question, am I good enough? that thing you feel when you, you help someone, but it's never enough. You keep doing it and you keep doing it, but am I really good enough? Or seventh question, do I have a purpose? Like I've just floated through life surviving, but do I really have a purpose for being here? And typically one of those questions is what drives us. And what tends to happen is we try to answer those questions in all the wrong ways. And with that whole being there, we try to fill it and accomplish it and answer it with things that just destroy our lives. If I'm a bit even honest for a moment, as I was just reflecting this week, the question, am I good enough, kept coming up. In the secret of, of my bed at my own, in my own mind or as I drive, and I was thinking about my day and my week. I'm like, oh, it's just not enough. I did this, but I am just not enough. And friends, I have battled that question for years. So I think for many of us, and what happens is, is those questions and when they're answered in the wrong way or we look to the wrong thing, that prevents us from loving others well. Second, Second kind of obstacle for us is that we simply do not see Jesus Christ correctly. We do not see God the Father correctly. See, we take these questions, we take the, the lies of the world, the lies of the enemy, and we project them onto Jesus, onto God himself. We, we had a, a, a father that hurt us. We, we, we put that on God the Father. Or many times, this is so normal, the sins of brothers and sisters in Christ against us that are so real and so deep, and probably all of us in this room have experienced that those things begin, we begin to project those onto the Father himself. And we begin to think that he is harsh, that he's impatient that he's indifferent, 
that he's not capable of, of fixing us. All these lies that we believe. We have this deep hole and we have this wrong view and that leads to this exploiting kind of love. Because we have these holes and we have these deep desires and we look to this false view of God. What happens is we then love others to fill the hole in our hearts, correct? And that's an exploitive love and not a sacrificial love. But here, here is the, the hope today, is that we take those questions, we take the deep desires, we take the deep holes, and we bring them to the true Jesus. And as we bring them to the true Jesus, what he does is he helps us to sacrificially love others. And that brings us to Mark 2, where I believe there's really good news for us today. You know, uh, I have felt, and I said this in the prayer time, I told this to Kevin in the hallway, I told this to my wife sitting down, I have felt rushed and hurried all day long. And if uh, I can speak a bit boldly for a moment, I feel that in the room right now. In love, I'll just say this to us. Um, we're not used to snow. <laughs> And there's this sense we're checking our phones and we're making plans and we're preparing and we're thinking about this. And I'm just going to ask you in love to slow down for a moment. To really put the phone away, put it on, do not disturb, whatever you got to do. Not for me, because I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm telling you, you have no idea. And so are you. We're all foolish. But what we're about to do for a few moments is try to remove all the distractions to slow down, and I, I'm not being hyperbolic, and hear the greatest news in the history of the world. News that has changed my life. News that has changed your life. But hear this, friends. It's news that we need to hear again. And so I just, I, I strongly encourage, how I'll say that, let's not rush. Let's linger in the word of God. Let's seek the voice of God and be quick to surrender to the promptings of God. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, slow down our, our hearts. Maybe just slow down my heart. Let us not rush to get out of here. Focus our attention on you. Father, I want us to see you so clearly today, Father, that we can't help but change. I love you, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen. So here in Mark, so in Mark 1, it has been like Jesus on the move. And Mark, Mark, he says immediately like 25 times. He just keeps saying, this happens, this happens, this happens. And so far, there's been no obstacles. It's just God moving, Jesus moving. He's baptized, he gets tempted, he overcomes, he gets disciples, he heals people, he preaches good news, he withdraws the Father. And there's just not like, there's no pushback yet until we hit Mark 2. And as Mark 2 hits, we see this trajectory of the objections, of uh, the tension throughout the life and the ministry of Jesus. Let's look again at this text. It says here, when he returned to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And as you look and study this passage, most scholars believe this is the home of Peter. 
I want to remind you of this in a minute, because in a minute his house gets ruined. And it says here, many were gathered together. The news had spread. There's this guy, Jesus. He is doing something we have never seen. He's teaching in a way that has true power. And it says there was no more room, not even at the door. Just imagine a, a smaller home and it's just bursting out the seams. All the doors, all the windows are open. People are looking, they're listening, they're being quiet. They just want to get near this man, Jesus, what is happening here. And it says he was preaching the word to them. And it says they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could, gotten, could not get near him, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Listen, friends on mission can change the world. Friends on mission do crazy things. Love forgiven people do crazy things like remove roofs simply to have their friend get near Jesus. These guys got it, did they not? They knew where the hope was found. Just get near him. Just get close to him. Let's keep going. And they had made an opening and they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, this gets a little dicey right here. I'm like, what is he doing here, Jesus? He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes, uh-oh, what did he say? Wait, What? They saw, they were sitting there, and they were questioning in their hearts. They were judging him in their hearts, right? We've all been there, right? Verse 7, it says, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Once again, Mark's favorite word. And immediately, Jesus, perceiving it, they were so, that it just, it was tough for them. They were thinking it, they were judging, and then Jesus calls it out. Immediately, he says, in his spirit, they, he perceived in his spirit, they questioned themselves. And he said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? What's easier? To say to this paralytic, to this man who cannot walk, what's easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up? Take your bed and walk away. And so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise. Get up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, in Mark's word, immediately he picked up that bed and went out before them all. And then things got crazy. They were amazed and they glorified God saying, I love this right here. We never saw anything like this. That's a good God right there, is it not? Here's what I want us to hear today. Here's a big thought, big idea. Seeing Jesus correctly leads to us loving others deeply. Seeing Jesus correctly leads to us loving others deeply. 
If you want to love others deeply, if you want to love well, if you want to love your neighbor, if you want to love the least of these, if you want to love the orphan, if you want to love the widow, if you want to love your neighbor, if you want to love your enemy, you need to get near the one and see him correctly who is love. It's like a really bad virus. That's a bad word right now because a lot of people have flu and stuff going around, but it's like, a, it's like a really good virus. As you catch it, you spread it, correct? But too many times we're trying to spread it without catching it first. And so we need to go to the source, go to the one, be attached to him. As we're attached to him, he makes us lovers of other people. And there's three ways that we're going to see Jesus more clearly in this text. And there's really three ways that Jesus surprised. He, he surprised the friends he surprised them. He surprised the readers of that day of reading this text. And he surprised the, the leaders of that day. And in these three kind of curious things that Jesus does, we learn so much about who he is. First thing, to see Jesus correctly, I want you to hear this. Jesus knows your deepest need. Jesus knows our deepest need. Go back to verse 5. They drop this man down. They do all this stuff because he can't walk, and they know that Jesus can fix him. And, and he sees what they do, and he sees their faith. But listen to what he says. When he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, you would think he would say this right here. This man's been paralyzed. Think about the frustration, the anguish of him not being able to walk, and the work it took to just get up there. They had to carry this man. They had to do all this stuff to fix what was broken, to help him walk. And what's the, what's the first thing Jesus says? He says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Imagine the surprise or the turn for the friends, for the paralytic. Like, well, thank you for that forgiveness, sir. But I came for the legs. <laughs> I want these things to work. But, but hear this. Jesus knew his deeper and truer need. And, and hear this today. You've come in. I have come in, and we all have a list, do we not? It's the list you dream about. If I woke up today and this happened, if I woke up today and this was gone, if I woke up and this person was this, we think that it would provide some kind of relief. And it will for a moment, but it will not forever, correct? There is a deeper and truer need that your soul longs for and that Jesus Christ knows about. And he's the only one who can meet that need. He's the only one. Jesus is showing us. He's modeling for us. He's teaching us. There is no physical thing that is more important than being made right with God. And that feels offensive in a sense, especially in a world where we don't like talking about sin. Do we not? In a world, well, let's just go a little old school for a moment, where there's not really sin, there's just things that happen to us right? No, there is sin. There's a deep, deep, deep need in you, a longing for forgiveness that's underneath all the needs. As important as physical needs are, as circumstances that are, that are debilitating as important as they are, they're not as important or as primary as the deeper need of forgiveness of sins. 
the message of the gospel at its very, very, very core is that we were far away and full of sin and Jesus came, lived perfect, paid the price and now forgives us of that deep need, of that sin so that we can be made right, be made whole. That is the essence of the gospel. The gospel is not I come to Jesus and life gets easier. That's not, friends, it's not. We come to Jesus, we find forgiveness and wholeness and many times trials and suffering on the back end of that. And if someone tells you differently, they are wrong and they are lying because the story of scripture, the story of saints is that, that they find wholeness, they find victory, they find freedom, they don't find ease. Don't tell me the apostle Paul found ease, did he not? What he found was wholeness, victory, freedom, so that when the bad things came, when he was put in jail and it wasn't right, what does Paul do? He starts worshiping. He becomes Chris Tomlin in jail, does he not? How great is our God all day long in jail for Paul? Because the gospel does not always right away fix the physical need, but it does fix the true and the greater need, friends. It does. There are some prayers on this side of eternity that are not going to be answered the way that we want to be answered. But hear this. Every time we ask for forgiveness, that answer is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. So do not give up on that. Hope in that, friends. Now, as, as you say things like this is deeper and truer and more important than the physical need, the response has got to be, well, you don't know my story. And it's true. That is true. I don't know every person's story in here. And I know it's also true. There are stories. There are stories of abuse in this room. And I don't say that lightly or flippantly, but I say it knowing it's true. There's stories of abuse. There's stories of kids whose parents divorced and left them. There's stories of spouses that were left and were hurt. There's stories of real physical need. There's stories of real financial need in this room. And so none of this is said flippantly or without thought, but I want you to hear this. The biggest problem is not the abuse or the thing. The biggest problem is the bitterness the unforgiveness does to you. Hear what I'm saying. When you are sinned against, and friends, if you're breathing, you will be sinned against, probably today. If you have not been forgiven of your sins by a greater source through who there was a greater offense to, you will live in bitterness to the world and the people around you. And that pill, my friends, is poison. The pill of unforgiveness towards others is not some weight you hold over them. It's the weight you carry yourself. It's the weight of bitterness. And I'm not saying that lightly, like your pain is, is light. and tr No, it's, it's, it's real. But if you have not walked in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, you will never forgive others, friends. The only way to truly forgive and love those who've hurt you and to love your enemies, to forgive those who have debts against you, is to receive and have your debts forgiven. So to have that need met of what has happened to you, the only thing you can walk in is the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of God. That is what heals us, friends. You see, walking in unforgiveness is the pain underneath the pain, right? Because you were sinned against or because something happened and there's a pain there. But the unforgiveness there is the pain underneath the pain. 
And it's why Jesus came, to heal the brokenness that leads to freedom from all the brokenness. You're not going to love better when you have more money. You're not going to love better when that relationship works out. You're not going to love better when that thing goes away. You will love better by receiving forgiveness from your sins. You will not love better by hiding the messiness of your life. You will not love better. This also reminds us to sometimes how people and how ourselves view Jesus. That we'll tend to see Jesus as this genie in the bottle, right? Man, my life's been hard lately. I need to start going back to church. Golly. Man, I'm going to start. You know what? I have been, uh, I had a rough 2023. Start reading my Bible. And if I do that, I think life and things will start working out better. Listen, as I say that, that is no judgment if, if that's your story today. I say that as someone who's a, a fellow person who kind of inherently can think that sometimes. It's a thing, you know, here, here's what it is. Ever have that thing where you have this problem for a while? Say you uh, got a medical bill and it's like $10,000, right? And it just weighs on you and it gnaws at you. But if you got a, a million dollar check, you wouldn't worry about that bill anymore, would you not? That is how the forgiveness of God works in our lives. Hear this. When you experience and walk in being fully known, fully confessed, and fully surrendered to God and his forgiveness, you are freed in such a way that all the problems of this world, they're still there. They're still there, but they're in their proper place. But when we don't walk in forgiveness, those problems are the heaviest thing in the world. Come to Christ for forgiveness and let him carry the problems. That's the goal today. And once those things are on him and not us, listen, it's not your job description to fix the world. It's not your job description to be God every day for yourself, brothers. Your job is to seek forgiveness from God and to follow him. That's simply it. But the issue is we walk in this kind of inherent foolishness because that's what kind of the world says. That's the, the way of the world. Or we give our time to the things of the world and these things of the world lead us to believe that circumstances right in front of us are our biggest need. So I hope as we see this kind of surprising turn Jesus makes as they think it's about this physical thing that he knows our truer need. But it's also, we're off still because I think we're, we miss the heart of Jesus. Look at verse five again. It says when Jesus, he saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. This is, uh, we would call this almost heretical today, would we not? <laughs> well, where is the sinner's prayer? Well, they didn't, they didn't do these three, four, five. That, 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 it doesn't work this way. And, and honestly, nowhere else in Scripture has it worked this way. Or do you see it this way? But hear this, Jesus is not a heretic. Actually, Mark gives us kind of a hint of what he's doing in this text. Look at verse 8 now. What does he just do? It says, perceiving in his spirit. 
So he perceived in his spirit about those leaders and what they were thinking, the same thing's happening with the friend and the paralytic. Jesus knows. He knows the posture of their heart. And truly, their actions speak to the posture of their heart. Hear this, friends. Faith is always truer lived out than it is declared. We live in a Western world, in and, and, and a Christian world in a lot of sense, where it is normal and right and almost wrong to not be a Christian. You know it's a lot harder, a lot more real, a lot truer faith? To live the way of Jesus. To love the enemy at work. To not let money drive you, your career drive you, but to be open-handed and generous and free and give to others. To share your faith with boldness. Those kind of things declare a, a more real faith than simply just agreeing to a set of beliefs. And Jesus sees the posture of their heart. That's part of his power. Even as their words were inarticulate and not there. As is, we see this second point about Jesus. This thing that surprised the readers of that day as they're reading this. Because they knew the mode of forgiveness and, and how this worked and all these things. And so it surprised them. But here's the point. Jesus is aggressive with his forgiveness. He is aggressive with his forgiveness. So we, we just did uh, Christmas, right? And um, my parents and Tracy's parents are aggressive in spoiling my kids with just all kind of stuff, right? Like I have to talk them out of doing so much because they're aggressive in their need to make them happy, right? In the same way, Jesus is aggressive. He's ready. The hands are open. He's aggressive towards forgiveness. The perfect words don't matter, friends. He is so eager to embrace, to forgive, even without the words coming out here. You know, Jesus, he came, as we just said, to meet that deepest need of forgiveness, but he also came to show us this perfect view of the Father. This perfect view of the Father. And this, this Father, hear this, he's not harsh he is patient. We just sang this great song about God's mercy. He is so merciful towards us as kids. He is quick to forgive. See, we think God's aggressive in his anger, not aggressive in his forgiveness and love. He is so tender with us as sinners. His heart moves towards us as we sin. Think about those you really, really love, whether it's a parent, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a spouse, a close friend, a child. And when they mess up, what is your heart towards them? It's to get them out of the mess, not to push them away. Now, are you broken for their sin? Are you sometimes angry at their sin? Absolutely. But your heart is to bring them out of the mess. How much more? How much more is the father that way? Jesus is just so tender with us. This is the incarnation lived out, is it not? He was far away, had no reason to come near us, dirty, annoying sinners. <laughs> Yet he did. Even last week, we talked about this story of the leper, right? Jesus could have healed the leper far away, could he not? He could have backed up the way I would have and said, okay, bud, get over there. You're healed. No, no, that's not what Jesus did. He got real close. 
touched him, which was scandalous. He's touching him and he healed him because he wanted the world to know that he is aggressive to fix what is broken. He is near to those that are sick and the broken. He doesn't back away. This fundamental problem that we have is when we blow it, we run from God instead of running to God. Is it not true? It's the sin, the very original sin. As Adam and Eve partake in the, in, in the garden, their first thing was to hide from God. Jesus loves so freely. But this misunderstanding of who God is is why we don't love freely. Because we don't believe or see that Jesus loved that freely. We, we miscast him. We hide. Listen, everyone here has a thing. You all got a thing. You all got a deep, deep thing inside of you. A question, a hurt, a secret, a sin, a burden you were sinned against. And it's there. I know it is. And sometimes those things come out and, and I hear about those things and, and we mourn together. We all have that thing we cannot quiet. Here, here's, here's, just hear this. Bring it to him. Expose it to him. Let him forgive. Let him wash it, make it clean. Uh, earlier I talked about those seven questions and uh, am I enough? If I'm honest with you, the two questions my entire adult life I can remember battling are am I enough and am I loved? Anybody relate to that? Am I enough? Am I loved? And over the years, I have seeked those things in the wrong way. Make sense? Through a relationship, through a thing, through money. And what happens is you do the thing and the shame kicks in. You ever been there? And what happens after the shame? You start what? Hiding. And the last thing you want is to be exposed. But the greatest moments of my life were being exposed. And my prayer as a pastor for our entire church all the time is that your stuff comes out before you ruin your life. Because I have sat with people weeping as they lost their family, as they lost their kids, they lost their job, they lost their home, as they lost their dignity. All these things, and I mourn for those people. What's funny about that, they lose all those things when they find Jesus, and they're happier than us with all the things. But I don't want that for our families, for our kids. Jesus is aggressive with his forgiveness. There is nothing to fear when you come to him. I can't promise no consequences. I can't promise no pain. But what I can promise is forgiveness from him and love from him and a peace that surpasses all understanding. He's aggressive with his forgiveness. Trust this man who forgives without people asking sometimes. But he's not just loving. Look at verse 7. They ask, why does this man speak like this? <laughs> he's blasphemy. Who can, who can forgive sins but, 
but God alone. And once again, he speaks right up. He's new in his spirit. They're questioning. He says, why do you question? What's easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say get up? And this guy gets up and they're amazed, right? There's just, this is the confusion from the leaders. There's just confusion, even anger from them because he is saying he can forgive sins. But Jesus even says, no, I want you to see how sufficient I am. Not just words I'm going to say, but I'm going to say, get up. And I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to show you my strength. With not just words, but the actions of this man being healed. And the people are stunned. And here's the, here's the, the point for us. Jesus is sufficient to forgive. Yes, he's aggressive. He is. But he's also sufficient. When you bring your stuff to him, it's done. It is finished. You're free. The test is over. You got an A. You can breathe because he is sufficient to forgive. See, these leaders, they know the scriptures. They do. They know the scriptures. And they know that only God can forgive sins. They've read, of course, uh, the psalmist, right? David, when he says in Psalm 51 that his sin is against God and against God alone. So by Jesus saying he forgives sins, he is saying that he is God. And because he can forgive the sins against himself, which makes no sense to them. It would be like this. It would be like me saying, hey, Reynolds, Chaz, come up here. And I just punch Reynolds in the face. It'd be a lot of fun, actually. And um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love him. I love him. And, um, and I hit Reynolds. And then... Chaz would say, Jason, I forgive you. Wait, well, I didn't sin against Chaz, I sinned against Reynolds. That's how these friends see this. It makes no sense to them because you can't say you forgive these sins because you're a man. You can't possibly be the one they sinned against. He'd say, no, 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 no. My friend John would say, I was the word at the beginning, correct? I'm the alpha and the omega, correct? And you might not, here's how you're going to see that today. Get up and walk. Because when, hear this, when God speaks, things happen. Do they not? When he said, I want some water, water comes up, right? When he says, you're forgiven, guess what? You're forgiven. When he says, I want him clean, guess what? You're clean. When he wants that to happen, God speaks, things happen. And they learn this lesson in an amazing way at this day. And this begins the real tension of his ministry that happens for the next few years. He goes to the cross. Jesus and these leaders going back and forth. But here's the key. It was easy for Jesus to say, get up and walk. That was an easy part. However, there is no such thing as a sin that goes unpunished. See, Jesus knew the deeper sacrifice, the deeper and harder work was saying, son, your sins are forgiven. He says that because he cannot say there's forgiveness of sins without knowing he's going to the cross. Because for every sin, hear this, friends, there's sacrifice. He knew there was a stain that they could not get out. There was this blemish they could not fix. There was this dirtiness that would not go away without the sacrifice of the cross. This is the truth of the battle is the lie that Jesus is insufficient. That we have to come to him and add our forgiveness. 
so many people I talk to, and I might do this sometimes my own way, like we have like this scale, do we not? I've done, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. So if I can just do this good, and 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 get the scale where it's over this scale, then I'll be good, and I can come to God, and I'll do the right things, friends. The scales will never line up because you are not sufficient to fix the mess that you made. It's like we have this cancer and we take Tylenol to fix it. Uh, No, friends, we need a complete transplant. He did not come to make you a little better. He came to make you alive. Not a little, little, little less dirty, but he came to make you fully clean. Jesus is sufficient. It's this forgiveness, the truest and deepest need that Jesus came to meet. And he is aggressive. He is, has a bias towards pursuing sinners to forgive them as they come to him. And he is the only one sufficient to accomplish this. It's, it's, this is the gospel message that frees us to live it out. This is the message for us to drink in today, to let wash over us today. So as we see Jesus clearly, as we walk in our forgiveness we then go and love others deeply. And I got one thing for us to love others deeply. Here's what it looks like. Love is doing hard things to bring people to Jesus. That is what love is. It's doing hard things to bring people to Jesus. You want to care for the poor, you're going to do a hard thing to bring them to Jesus. You want to point your child towards him, you're going to do hard things to do that. You're going to give up things to do that. You want your neighbor to know Christ, you have to say no to something and say yes to him to love him to Jesus. We have to do hard things to bring them to Jesus. That's what the friends did, correct? They were sweating climbing that house, sweating doing that stuff, sweating laying him down. It was hard to do this, but they knew there was this sacrifice needed to bring their friends near to him. But hear this, this is the beauty of the gospel story because Jesus did the hardest thing to bring us back into relationship with God himself. He took on the pain of the cross, the greatest act of love that we know. He took on our sin. He loved us to the point of death. He loved us deeply. And this kind of love this forgiven, I'm free, I'm not a slave, I'm clean. It always pushes us outward. This love launches us out to other people. We talk about a lot at Covenant, uh, this word discipleship, about how to follow Jesus, and that's good and that's right, and how to become this follower of Jesus. And I recently heard... uh, it put this way, that being a disciple of Jesus takes three things. First, we have to be with Jesus. We have to be with Jesus. Second, we become like Jesus. And three, we do what Jesus did. We be, become, and we do. Being, becoming, doing. But hear this, we cannot be with Jesus without walking in forgiveness. If not, we're the anxious person on the date right? That we're just so, we want them to like us so bad. Oh, Jesus, look, Jesus, Jesus, today, hey, hey, Jesus, look, I read a Bible today for 15 minutes, my entire reading plan, I, even the begats, I read all those, Jesus. I read them all. Look at me, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, guess what? I served in kids this morning, and that wood kid was there. You know, the one that thinks the Holy Spirit's the dog, and I watched him, 
and I watched him. He was so hard to watch. I, look, I did it, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, look, I, I went to the hub, and they, weren't, they didn't even thank me. I still did it. That's how good, look how good I am. Jesus, look. Look, Jesus, look. Jesus, look. Jesus, look. You cannot be with Jesus like that, friends. You cannot be with him like that. Jesus did it so we are free to be with him and not prove ourselves to him, friends. Accept the forgiveness and enjoy him. That's the walk. That's the secret. Stop striving. Stop striving. Because hear this, forgiveness leads to belovedness. And that is a word. I looked it up today. Belovedness is what you are after. I got to read this. I know that I'm going a little long, um, but I prayed for us to linger today. So we're going to do it. First John 4, 7 says this, beloved. That's how the apostle John starts this section of this passage, beloved. He is writing to the church and here's why. Because if you're in Christ, hear this. The phrase over you is beloved. It's beloved. Say it, it's beloved. You are beloved. Go to the mirror, look at all your warts and all your oldness and all your baldness and say, gosh, I am beloved in Christ. Amen? We are beloved. Until we get that, let's do nothing else, friends. Because if, if, if anything else, is just going to be in vain. Now, God will store because God is so good. He is. But our souls are going to waste away. Let's learn what our friend, the Apostle John, wrote 2,000 years ago when he spoke over his friends at the church when he said, Beloved, beloved, here it comes. Let us love one another. We'll just stop right there. Beloved, let us love one another. Here's the secret. We love because what? He first loved us. Amen. So we be, we walk, we sit in the forgiving love of Jesus. And here's a secret. Today when you get home and, or, or probably by Tuesday if it snows and you might have murdered a child by then, I don't know that, do not do that, it's bad. But it, maybe your voice rises one time and you feel the shame, right? I was at church and I was so fired up. And I sang those songs and I even cried. But then I go home and I yell at my kid, who am I? No, 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 no. Bring it to him. Confess to him. And guess what happens? He washes it. He cleans it. Because here's the two things you want to hear. Positionally and position and perception. Hear, hear this. As far as position, that never, ever changes. You're beloved. But when you sin, the enemy uses perception to fool you. That's what happens. But through the power of just coming to Christ and confessing to him and confessing to others, it destroys the power of the enemy's lies is what it does. It says, no, 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 you're beloved. You're beloved. I'm patient with you. I'm working on you. I'm going to make you like me over a long period of time because you're mine. And I'm going to not, I'm going to finish the job that I started with you. Jason, don't give up. Just keep coming to me, my beloved son, and I'm well pleased. As you begin to walk in that and be in that, friends, we're going to change the world. It's that simple. That's a love the world can't comprehend at all. It's the beloved love of the Father. 
All right, let's wrap up here. Three steps I'd encourage us to take today. First is to be. Let's just walk in his forgiveness. So here's my, my challenge. You got a little card here. I would encourage all y'all to pull, pull this out and talk, talk to us. We're going to pray for these. Uh, if you need follow-up with this today, we're going to have a prayer team in the back that would literally, like they were praying heaven down this morning, we'll pray heaven down with you. And I believe sometimes that deep fear, that deep question, that deep hole, that God uses other people to be his representatives to love others well. That when you confess that, when you share that, when you ask for prayer and you see the eyes of another human being made in the image of God that uses their words, their posture to love you, you feel the love of the Father. And I would, I, would, I would argue today that we are all underloved by, in this room, right? We think we are. So find a person and let them love on you as you share the sin, as you share the struggle, as they pray for you. Walk in forgiveness. You might be a person here who has gone to church for a long time or never gone to church. I have no idea your story. And you hear the gospel message today that God came and he fixed us, he fixed it, and he's, he's there for forgiveness. And you're here today, and today is the day for you to walk in forgiveness and be made new and to join the family of God. And then in a few weeks, get baptized up here. I believe there's people in the room today. Today is the day. Let's not wait. We're going to pray and we're going to sing. We do all the things. That's great. But if that's you, if you're from the prompting of the Spirit today, come pray with us. Or if that's too much, write on a card and we'll follow up with you. Or, or maybe... You can't be with Jesus. You, you've said a prayer and you've even given your life to him, but there's just junk there. There's junk nobody knows. And, and it's just, it's swallowing you whole, the shame that you're walking in or possibly the bitterness you're walking in towards somebody else. Today is the day of forgiveness, friends. Come find a person in the back, write on a card, seek and walk in forgiveness. Amen? Second, become. So first we be, second we become. And how, here's how we become like Jesus. It's with other people. The, 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 the Jesus game is not done with the podcast and the prayer, friends. It's done with the people of God loving us, challenging us, annoying us. All the things in the pot do this weird thing and make us more like Christ. And so we have these small groups that meet all throughout the city. And one of our biggest hearts is to connect you to other people. And if you are not walking with other people, it's going to be hard for you to become like Jesus. So take your card out. Come find one of us. Let us know. We will connect you today. Last is do. Be, become, do. That is people that are forgiven do crazy things for God. Take that forgiving love and go crazy. Take that forgiving love and bring it to the darkest parts of your world. Because here's the cool thing about the church is we all got little worlds around here. We got, we got jobs we're at. We got little neighborhoods. We have families. We have friend networks. Some kids, you know, pl play soccer. Some play, do piano. We have all these little, we, some of us go do CrossFit. And some of us, you know, I'm a big CrossFit guy myself, obviously. We do all these things, right? And that's your little corner. Listen, the corner of your world is not just for you to have a fun thing to do. The corner of your world is to bring that unbelievable love and to show it to others. Because people are starving to be beloved, are they not? 
And if we're the beloved, who else is going to do it? Well, the world do it. The world's sick. We have the news. So be, become, and do. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for uh, your scandalous good news. For the peace that you bring us that surpasses all understanding. And thank you for loving us so well. And Father, as we have even people in the room, Lord, that, um, that want to respond to your news, Father, give them the courage to find a person. I pray that today is just this outbreak of, of tears, of joy, of confession, of celebration, of people coming to you. So Father, do the work. You're so good to us. We pray all this in your name. Amen. As we close today, we're going to take communion. What a picture of forgiveness, correct? And it's a picture of this, that we're coming in. And it's for those who put their faith in Jesus. It's for those who've received the forgiveness of their sins. And then for you, if you're still searching and have questions, that's great. This, this won't be for you then. But if, you are, if you're in Christ, no matter what church you go to, then this meal is for you. Because you come and you, basically you declare as you take the bread. And it says this, that the body was broken for you. Because you had sin that had to be paid for. Right? And you take this juice that represents the blood because Christ's blood was shed for you to wash away your sins. And so it's a gospel encounter just taking this beautiful meal. But I would encourage you, before you come, talk to God. Talk to a person. Do the work. Come for faith.